I was just transparently sharing this with one of my coaching groups yesterday, a group of parents of young adults. I asked a question in a way that was not very empowering. And, and I saw her face and I went back to her and I said, hang on, let me ask that differently. That wasn't very helpful, was it? And I reframed it. And so I think it's not about, you know, I want to, I want to sneak it in. It's about catching myself when I am human and being transparent enough to redirect it and, and try again to do a do-over. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hi, Elaine, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be here. Hey, I'm so pleased that you're here. Um, We've been friends for a couple of years now. We've had many deep experiences with each other over the years in different communities we've been part of. And um, I I really respect and admire what you're doing. So it's it's an honor for me to have you here. What I know about you is that you're the co-founder of Impact Parents, which is the first global coaching organization for parenting neurodiverse kids. You've also created the award-winning Sanity School. Uh, You've written books. You know, you're all over the place. You've got, you know, global organization uh, and you're on a mission. And I love that about you. So I want to really explore, uh, explore that today. But perhaps we can just jump straight in. Why did you decide to found Impact Parents? It sounds by its very nature that there's something very personal to you uh, in that. It's got the word parents in. I know you're a parent. So the, what, tell me about the origin story. What got you on this whole journey of building out this organization? Again, thank you for, for having me. I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation. I, I got, I, I'm an accidental entrepreneur, I think. I, I got here because I was a mom. And at that point, actually, for a small period of time, I was a stay-at-home mom with three young kids under the age of 10. And I was home um, because my kids were really hard. <laughs> they were really complicated. And um, all of them had been kind of one by one by one, like dominoes, diagnosed with varying uh, areas of neurodivergence and neurodiversity and ADHD and learning disabilities and anxiety and, in hindsight, now autism. I mean, a lot of different issues going on that we didn't know at the time when I was a young mother. And I was struggling to keep my head above water. I was struggling to navigate it all. And at some point, I was actually on my way back to graduate school to get a PhD to try to figure this stuff out and help myself and help other parents because there was a lot of resources out there for kids and there was just nothing available for me as a parent other than, well, you can go to therapy. Well, I didn't really need therapy. I needed like a Sherpa, (laughs) you know, I needed, I needed help figuring out how to navigate it. And along the journey, I went and had myself evaluated because as I say, all my kids had been diagnosed with something. And I, at some point, looked at my husband and I said, he can't be responsible for all of this neurology. I got I to check myself out a little bit. And I was diagnosed in my early 40s with learning and attention issues. And it was 
really eye-opening. Like the whole world started to make sense. Why I had made the decisions I had made. Why I had majored in what I majored in. And so I was kind of determined to do something to support parents. And when I discovered coaching, uh, my intention, as I say, had been to go the therapeutic route. And when I discovered coaching, I called my husband that afternoon in tears and I said, I found it. This is it. I have found what I've been looking for because I had been doing everything the experts have been telling me to do and it wasn't working. And, and coaching was a different way of being with these complex kids that was working. Yeah, it's fascinating. As you were saying that, it reminds me of my own experience. Um, because what you're saying is you were looking for support, looking for solutions. Um, and there's a certain medical, there's some you know, medical things that come your way. It's not always right when you, it's not medicine and medical, you're not trying to cure somebody in a way, or, you know, it's, you're not trying to administer drugs. Um, that's not the problems you've got necessarily. And in my own life, you, you know, my sister was, was severely disabled and, I think the parents are often a weak link in the chain. Or like, well, they're not supported. They don't receive. Uh, they don't receive support. They, you know, yeah, there's some medical support for the person perhaps concerned if that's required, but support in all sorts of ways. Whether it's literally just getting a break sometimes from very challenging family situations, uh, or whether it's just knowing how to manage those stresses and the pressure and the responsibilities. It's a huge thing, actually. And my, my parents, and my, you know, my mother um, died relatively young and a lot of money was donated um, because of the impact that she had had in her life. And in accordance with her wishes, it was set up, it was, a foundation was set up to support parents, just to provide them with some respite care, you know, so just so they could have a weekend off now and again, because it's relentless. When we talk about the impact of all of these complex issues we're talking about and, and, and anything from what you experienced, which was a more profound disability to often what I'm working with, there's neurodiversity, neurodivergence, you know, there's this range and I don't mean to minimize anybody in that range, but, but there are a lot of different ways that these issues impact our families. And across that range, what's often missed is the impact that it has on the parents and the siblings. Right? This has an impact on the family dynamic that is missed and ignored and not addressed and not supported. And if you, if you don't deal with those relationships and those core issues, you actually miss so much opportunity to shift the dynamic in the home and therefore shift the outcomes for the, for the people we're talking about. So how did you move from parent looking at all these areas, getting into coaching, into actually becoming the CEO of a global <laughs> organization. I don't exactly know. But I think I think two things. Partly, I've, I'm a person with vision. I've always had a vision. I've been kind of a serial nonprofit entrepreneur. And I had worked for a national healthcare organization on a national level. So I had a vision on a, on a bigger scale. I met a business partner who also had worked for a national healthcare organization. So both of us came into this understanding what it looked like to, to, um, to work in the healthcare field nationally, not just locally. And so that have, finding someone who was a good compliment to me, I'm a CEO, she's the COO, she's operations. I'm, you know, like we're a good fit. Oh, you got somebody we can deal with all that stuff. I was thinking like, you can't be doing all this yourself. This is not what I feel sweet spot is. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. It's been a beautiful partnership. We've been together for about, I don't know, I think about 12 years now. 
Um, and so finding somebody that complimented me who was who wanted to lean into my vision and work with me to help manifest this was a really powerful shift for me. So I had that idea. And I guess what I knew, I had at some point early in my transition, my shift, my transformation, what I call my Scarlett O'Hara moment, which was, you know, as God is my witness, no parent should ever have to go through what I went through those first 10 years. And so I was determined to, to bring this very simple modality, but very profoundly impactful modality to parents, because I knew that, that there were all these parents out there like me who were searching for something that would work when, when everything the experts were telling us to do wasn't working. And it had to do with a shift in being, a shift in mindset, a shift in, in philosophy that really had a, a quick and powerful impact. So I was kind of determined. I always knew I wanted to change the world. So that's part of it. That, that started as a teenager. That I just never knew how that was going to happen, but I knew I would. Well, that was it because I was wondering, you know, you could have just said, I'm going to set up as a coach. I'm going to coach a few parents. You've always I've always been like from, from my teenage years, I always knew that I was supposed to do something like that. There was some impact that I would have in the world. And I, and I spent probably 20 years frustratingly looking for it. And I worked in family planning and I worked in these different arenas, but when I landed here, it was, it was like, I come home like, Oh, this is, this is it. I didn't set out to be, you know, a neurodiversity parenting expert. I just evolved into it. So how would you characterize the impact that you're having through this organization? You know, your, your business right now, you know, how, you know, how many people are you serving? What's the, you know, what, what excites you about that? You know, have, having your team just kind of give us a sense of, of what's. Well, we have, our team is all over the place. Our team is almost all parents and um, we have coaches, we have administrative team and we're all in different cities, countries. Most everybody is, is managing a family, raising a family and also working here. And so we're a very family first organization. Um, we call ourselves a private sector business for the public good. We knew from early on that it, I, I had spent enough years in nonprofits. I didn't want to spend my time raising money. So we're a self-sustaining organization. Little Peter, little uh, Robin Hoodish, we tend to take a lot of our fee-based services and use them to pay for all the free services that we offer. And we literally, it boggles my mind to say it, but we support parents in hundreds of countries. We've got clients on all six continents, other than Antarctica. We haven't gotten there yet, but... One day, I figure there'll be, be some researcher with a kid back home. <laughs> playing small now. Come on. But there's penguins on board. Come on. There's got to be somebody. Um, but we, we have, you know, in our community, we have hundreds of thousands of parents that have been impacted by learning these coaching skills. The secret to what we do is we actually teach coaching skills to parents and then coach them in implementing. And, and as I say, it's just a different way of being, teaching a parent to be in a more collaborative problem-solving place with their kids instead of a, that old-style directive mode. Shifting out of, you need to do what I say, into how do I support you as a kid? How do I understand you as a kid well enough to help you understand yourself well enough to learn to manage yourself? Because as you said earlier, we're dealing with chronic medical conditions for the most part. We're dealing with people who need to learn how to be in their bodies or in their brains throughout their lives. We want to set them up for success as adults. We want them to become independent 
And so to do that takes a little bit, uh, a little tweak of approach that really has a long-term benefit. Yeah, that's great. So amazing, right? How this initial small family yeah. situation rippled out to impact these hundreds of thousands of, of families. How would you want to multiply your impact from here? Like what's next? How, you know, if we're having this conversation in, in three years, what would you love to have, you know, what more would you love to have, have seen happen? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think with, with proper funding, it could, we could expand. I mean, we are reaching hundreds of thousands of parents now. There are millions of families that, that could be impacted. And that's just on the parent level. The other place that I see us moving, and we've begun to do a lot more work, is, is neurodiversity education in um, professional arena because there's this need to understand. I think that, that people with neurodiversity have these extraordinary skills and capacity, and they're untapped resources in the business world. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. I, I, I have a vision. I don't know if it's the Impact Institute or what it will be, but to, to continue to expand the footprint, to be able to, to bring this conversation about playing to the strengths of neurodiversity, but also understanding the challenges of it in, in every arena and, and using kind of coaching modality to empower and foster agency and independence, because that's ultimately what it's about is, is fostering a sense of agency. Yeah. So I think a few things there, I think there's, it sounds like there is an opportunity to scale what you're currently doing. It sounds like there are some expansion opportunities, you know, education, different client base, perhaps the corporate client base. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to remind you that my book, Making Time for Strategy is now available. If you want to be less busy and more successful, I highly recommend that you check it out. Why not head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com to find out the details. Now, back to the conversation. What comes to my mind is, I'm just curious what you think. Often when I'm working with clients, I see that they get to a stage where they have an opportunity to decouple their impact from that of their business. I'm not saying you necessarily there yet, or you might not want to go there, but I'm curious. So what that means uh, is you might not want to 10x your business to have 10x the impact, but you could actually intervene at a different level, play on some different stages, you know, change, you know, change policy, change the global mindset, um, create new conversations. You know, in some businesses, like create a global standard in something, you know, uh, and I'm just kind of wondering uh, how that, those ideas land or, you know, whether you think there's something there for you that's not necessarily scaling the organization or conversely, do you think actually the focus for the next few years really does need to be on, on you helping, helping your current business grasp these goals? It's a really interesting question because we, we, we designed this company to be scalable from the beginning. And that was always part of the vision. And, um, and at some point, an advisor said to me a few years back, you think you've scaled your business, but you haven't, that you ha because you haven't scaled yourself. And the light bulb went on. And so I started scaling myself. So now we have a, you know, a bench of coaches and, and, a, and a professional development you know, certification program and training program. And, and so I think that, that the company continues to expand, that the reach continues to expand. 
And it's interesting that you bring this up because I am at a point, and we've always looked from a policy perspective. So I've always been involved in policy in some level. My background is public policy. That's always been one of our strategic initiatives is to elevate the professionalism of coaching and to elevate the 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 range of services in the in the um, neurological community. So to really step out of that traditional medical model and change the medical model to be more expansive and more inclusive. And so there's always been agenda items for us. And I think I'm now beginning to shift my own personal practice so that now that the company is able to expand and grow and, and, and is doing that quite well and naturally, I have an opportunity to look at expansion from a different lens, to broaden who I'm coaching, for example, or the conversations that I'm having as, a, as an executive to be able to move into those different arenas. So I'm working on a national consortium that has been convened on ADHD and I was invited to participate. So there is this other layer that's also happening at the same time, um, which keeps it interesting. <laughs> but I think it's all about knowing that when you're on a mission, it's like it's like you're the center of a wheel and you have to expand it in all directions. If if we were only doing coaching or only doing training or only it wouldn't work, but but we're working with parents, we're working with school systems, we're working with parents and teachers in school systems, we're working in law firms, we're working in, you know, as we begin to expand out, it has that exponential impact. And we're we're changing the medical model. And at this point in the life of, of your business, what's the greatest contribution that you add? You know, where's your genius that is, because I'm sure you're doing all sorts of things as part of that. And we're talking about scaling. So I really wondered if you were to really get to the heart of like at this stage, I'm sure earlier on there's all sorts of things, but at this point, what's the magic that you need to be adding in? It's mm, a great question. Here's what comes to me. We've, we used to call ourselves a guerrilla marketing organization, right? So this, we, we do direct services, but we use a marketing framework to, to get the message out. And I think what when things are rolling well, I allow it gives me the space to remove myself, to keep looking forward, to keep looking outside, to keep that expansion. And probably my greatest contribution, in addition, you know, there's there's language and there's, you know, creative development. And we, we Diane and I, together develop all of our curricula. And so we do a lot of teaching. And probably my greatest contribution is to stay out of the fray of the operations and keep looking at the big picture, keep looking for the need. My, my background, I've always in my life been able to see a need and fill a need. And so part of what we do as a company and what I do as a CEO is continue to expand out and look for. So what's the next gap? Where do I see the gap in services or delivery? Where do I see a need? And so that we can move into that direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's what comes, that's what came to mind actually. When we get clear on these kind of unique value, I'm always then really interested in, well, what happens if we were to have a completely different level of those conversations, for example, or, or you apply that skill on a new plane, right? So for example, someone says I'm really great at problem solving. It's like, well, yeah, but rather than problem solving these problems down here, let's, 
What about solving these problems up here that you've never even thought about yet? Yeah. And so for me, beginning to do more work with CEOs and executives, now I'm not only supporting somebody who may be dealing with, you know, teenage issues or family issues, but that is going to have a cascading impact on their companies. That's going to change how they're seeing their workforce and their teams and how they're cultivating their teams. So it's got this other cascading impact. And that's really what it's about is the cascade of the impact that we're really looking for. Yeah. And well, I guess what's coming to my mind, actually, as you talk about working with those you know, senior execs is at a systemic level, I'm wondering where you can intervene so that you don't have to try to pick off one company at a time, because there's a lot of companies in the world, but where you can change the conversation upstream, perhaps, or at a bigger level. It's a great conversation to have. I, 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 I'd like to have that further with you. It's a, it, I'd like the thought. I, I have that tendency to kind of fall into the next and then look around and go, oh, look, look where I am. How do I, how do I maximize this? And so I think that's probably right where I am, which is how do I maximize the impact? When, when I was very young, I did a leadership training fellowship in New York City called the Coro Fellows Program. And one of the messages I took away from that was essentially, what's your greatest and highest impact? What's the best and highest use of your time? And um, I learned very early that while I enjoy direct service, it's not enough for me, that I really need to to be part of that larger place of, of making change. And so that make, that speaks to me. Well, wait, wait, here's, here's something that comes to mind. I was talking with a, a CEO, uh, I don't know, earlier this week, uh, perhaps last week, and we were talking about a similar thing. Like how, you know, how was he going to scale the impact he was making? He's an impact-driven entrepreneur, already very successful. And he was actually a little bit a little bit bored almost like, you know, I think, you know, it's like, I don't want to scale anymore. It's for scale anymore. It's going to actually create more hassle and more, uh, you know, more management problems and whatever. Um, so I really will spend with him some time thinking, well, what would be extraordinary? You know, what would absolutely light you up and get you out of bed in on the mission that you're already on? And, you know, we came up with some interesting place things, which already were bubbling away actually at some level, which he hadn't really put his focus on. So for example, uh, there was an opportunity to work with, I think it was the New York Stock Exchange uh, or, and, and the top so many com companies listed on that to make something happen. So not just again with one company, but to look at doing it across the whole thing. So I could imagine there might be something for you the same, like rather than going to individual companies, go to the, go to the stock exchange, right? Go to the, the grouping, right? Industry forum, trade association, whatever it is. Uh, and and see if they, you can create a new community at that level of people who are committed, perhaps, right? But listen. Well, and, it, and it's interest, interesting because a lot of what this work is about is, is about that connection between the personal and the professional, right? What we, who we are anywhere is who we are everywhere on some level. And we have this, this tendency to try to segment them out to see ourselves as, well, this is my family life and this is my work life. And if COVID taught us anything, it's that we can't really make those separations as clearly as we think we can. And so I think as we focus on cultivating leadership, we improve parenting. And as we focus on improving parenting, we, we, improve, we cultivate leadership. And so there is also an opportunity here to keep 
expanding this conversation about the personal and professional ways in which it's how we be in the world everywhere, not just anywhere. And so, I don't know, it could be fun. I like, I like the way we're thinking. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. I know that obviously with your coaching background, you know, you've probably applied that into your, into your own organization as well in the way that you are, in the way that you show up, in the way that you lead. And I know that you, one of your mantras is, you know, ask and don't tell. And I think it'd be interesting to explore because it's a perennial dilemma for anyone in leadership. And especially when you get to be CEO, you kind of get away with telling people uh, in some, on some level, uh, or at least it feels like you can. But on the other hand, if we all know as well that that's not a very empowering approach and so forth. So there's a real, but there's a real dilemma. Because of Doesn't engender a lot of buy-in, no. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of pressure, but there is a lot of pressure in like expediency, and I need to do things fast, but, and that kind of can create, and even the most um, you know, progressive leader, a sense of can I just sort of just say what needs doing and we move, we move on. So, just kind of curious as to you know how what's your experience been of this, uh, and because I know it's something you feel very passionately about. I do. So, so we have an amazing team, and this we we're all virtual, but we have an extraordinary team. And I remember the shift that happened when I, when I started instituting Monday team meetings. And they're not long and they're not complicated. And we always start with celebrations. And so everybody's bringing their personal self into the space. But when, when you treat people, when you slow down, you can speed up. When you treat people, when you see them as humans first, you can, the doing will happen and they will want to do more and more and more if they feel seen and acknowledged and recognized and respected, if they feel like they have a voice. And so I think what I've learned, because again, I wasn't very well schooled in how do you be a CEO, um, the coaching approach has really taught me how to be a CEO. And it's about asking my team, what do you think? And they respect the, the at the end of the day, I or my business partner and I are going to make the final decision, but they feel heard and they feel like their voice is part of that decision and that they've been considered. And I think that's huge. And it doesn't take that long to say, what do you think? Whether you're saying it to a teenager or to a team member, when they feel like you've heard them, they're going to be much more likely to respect whatever decision you make. Yeah, that's uh, it's simple, right? When you say it like it that, sounds so simple. <laughs> it's not always easy, but it is simple. And it's not easy because we're trained to believe we're supposed to be in control, and and asking instead of telling is about sharing control and about giving other people a sense of their own agency and autonomy. And and I think a lot of the issues we come into, we battle with come down to do I need to do I need to be right here? Do I need to be the one that takes the credit for it? Or do I want to keep things moving forward? I'm a really collaborative person. I left politics because I couldn't stand that us versus them mentality. So it's a very natural thing for me. And I get that a lot of the people I work with and teach, it's it it takes a little bit more to learn it. But the impact of it is pretty profound. When you bring other people along, you get ownership, you get buy-in, you get loyalty, um, and ultimately you get people who 
feel empowered to, to take action. And that's really what we want in any company. Yeah. Do you, do you not do that sometimes, right? Do you, do you, do you feel, you know, do you ever like not live out that value of, of asking and listening? Do you ever kind of feel tempted just to shortcut that process? I would say I, it's not about being tempted to shortcut it because if I'm tempted to shortcut it, I have a strategy, a technique I can use to do it respectfully. I think what happens is I'm human and sometimes I screw up or I forget or I get it wrong or I have a 26-year-old still living here about to move out this summer and I asked a question. I was just I was just transparently sharing this with one of my coaching groups yesterday, a group of parents of young adults. I asked a question in a way that was not very empowering. And, and I saw her face and I went back to her and I said, hang on, let me ask that differently. That wasn't very helpful, was it? And I reframed it. And so I think it's not about, you know, I wanted, I want to sneak it in. It's about catching myself when I am human and being transparent enough to redirect it and, and, try again to do a do-over, whether that's with my team or with my, um, with my kids. One of my favorite things to say to my teams is, wow, I screwed that one up, you know, because I want them to know I get that they are human. And so when they make mistakes, they're not hesitant to come to me and say, I messed that up. Yeah. Yeah. It gives such a permission, doesn't it? It gives such permission. I realize this myself in my own business that for years, I was trying to impress my clients yes. and, <laughs> and I realized that like the more I try to impress them, the more they feel like they, they had to try to impress me. There's not an authenticity there. And that's not where the magic happens. I mean, I, I was doing it for good reasons. I wanted to add maximum value, but I didn't need to do that to add value. Right. I had a supervisor who said to me once in, in, when I was in coach training, she said, "Try stop trying to make everything so significant." And it was it was brilliant advice that has has stuck with me forever because I think sometimes we take ourselves so seriously, and it's when we let go of that and acknowledge our humanness that we are at our greatest effect and impact. Yeah, beautiful. Well, that might be a great place to wrap it up, Elaine. Um, I've you know, really enjoyed this conversation of you know, learning, first of all, about what got you on the journey and this accidental uh, entrepreneurship, as you described it, uh, but with that real passion for impact, right, that has come through as you've scaled yourself uh, in the business. Now you're looking at, well, what's next? Do we continue to scale the business? Do we add extra elements to it? What's next for you as the leader of that? And, um, you know, we've looked at, yeah, just even now, this this skill of 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 actually being aware enough of our knee jerk reaction, so that when we are tempted to shortcut, that's one of the things we know we should be doing as a leader. That we just get a just catch ourselves. Now it takes a little time, and it also helps to have good people around you and and coaches and people who will who will hold up the mirror when so that you can see yourself because it's not something we we do naturally i think yeah no that's perfect so if you want to find out about you and, and impact parents you know where do they go what's the best way to do that well so we have a ton of resources on our website at impactparents.com we've got a blog that we've been running since 2011 we have a podcast for the last few years called parenting with impact for parents who want to 
parents and professionals who really want information about this neurodiversity informed coaching approach. Uh, we have we can we offer a gift to your community uh, for on leadership and and coaching at impactparents.com/multiplier. So if you're looking for information, you want to find out more about our community. You know, as we've spoken uh, about, I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of training, a lot of presentations. So if you're interested in having a conversation about bringing this to your community in any capacity. Um, you can reach us at impactparents.com and they will get the information to me if you email the team at Impact Parents. Perfect. Well, Elaine, hey, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds. I mean, I've just been uh, throwing ideas that you might not have wanted at you today even, uh, but I see there's so much potential and the world needs what you're doing. So thank you for doing it. Thank you for the ideas. I look forward to playing with them. Yeah, we look forward to seeing how it all plays out in the next few years. Thanks again, Elaine. Speak soon. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast, where you'll find all the details. Now, finally, when you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact. Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.